Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. This episode's guest is Andrea from South Africa. Andrea began her adventure in Toronto with her husband and two teenage daughters after her husband's job was transferred. We actually moved to Canada at the exact same time, so it was a lot of fun comparing our experience of ups and downs over the last four years. If you're here and it's only your first year or first year and a half, I actually hit a major low and I didn't know, I didn't expect it. And so when I tell people this, and they're in their year or year and a half. They're like, oh yeah, we remember Andrea said that and this is normal. But you know, as the sun started to shine and as spring started to come along, I started to feel a lot better. And it's amazing. Don't forget how the seasons can change and influence your moods. Andrea is a 200-hour Hatha yoga teacher and regularly shares blog posts and YouTube videos to help expats-to-be with moving to Canada. She is so personable and funny, and we cover a bunch of different topics together, from making friends as an adult, packing tips, and shipping your pets across the world. Let's start the show. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Hey, I'm so good. And you, Kate? Good. Thanks for having me on today. Good. Is it Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. Andrea. Perfect. I think I know too many Spanish people. It's like Andrea. <laughs> I get called Andrea a lot by a lot of people and now it's like totally okay. Okay. So it's Andrea. Perfect. Yes, it is. It's so great to finally meet you. It's funny, isn't it? How you feel like you know someone after watching their YouTube videos and following them on social. I feel like we're friends already. So it's finally, it's great to finally meet you and talk to you. Yeah, that makes me feel so good. I love it. And it's always great to connect with people that are not from Canada and always just hear their story, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So let's chat a little bit about South Africa. Whereabouts in South Africa are you originally from? So um, I was born in Johannesburg, actually. Mm-hmm. And then as I grew up, moved to Cape Town, my dad was transferred. We lived in a little city called Cape Town, such a beautiful city. And not just because I lived there, but uh, in, it's just like this thriving little metropolis of food and wine farms and everything, the <gasps> oh. sea. So you've got the ocean, you've got wine farms, you've got mountains, you've got absolutely everything all in one spot. That's where Table Mountain is, right? Yes, That's yes. Flat Mountain. Oh, exactly. It looks like a dream. No, it's absolutely beautiful. And Cape Town has got this vibe. This They call it uh, in the South African other language, it's Afrikaans. They, it's a Dutch dialect. And they say, instead of Cape Town, they say Slapstadt. And Slap means sleep. The people are super chilled, right? It's like, dude, oh, nice. like muesli, the mountain surfers. <laughs> so it's very chilled, bro, uh, in Cape Town. And I think um, that whole vibe and slowness, it's just, it's a beautiful place. But also not only that, it's really pretty. You can mm. travel anywhere and you're either at a wine farm and it's, you would think you were in France somewhere. It's absolutely magnificent. I can't say enough about it. 
it's just really lovely. Yeah, I have some friends that live there and I've always wanted to go and visit them in Cape Town. That's so funny. Um, yeah, it just looks beautiful. One of them is a wedding photographer. So you can only imagine the wedding oh, photos of people yes. getting married there with Table Mountain in the back. And it's just, oh my God, like actual, oh, I have no words. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I've actually, I mean, for me, Kate, and even I speak to other people who are big time travelers and you can go anywhere in the world. Cape Town, I would say, is one of the most beautiful places in the world. One of. It's got the most incredible beaches with white sand. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a very different place. Oh, fantastic. So what do you miss most about it other than, you know, the way it looks and, and that vibe? Is there anything else that you really miss? Oh, yeah. Do you know how much I miss the food? <laughs> I mean, Canada's got cool food, but I find like I have to go to downtown to get good food good mm-hmm. restaurants, um, sort of high-end, like really nice fusion food. Yeah, as soon as you leave the city, it's like chains mostly, isn't it? Oh. You just see the Wendy's and you see the Swiss Chalet and yes. Tim Hortons. It's just all the same chains. Yeah, there's no unique places to check out. It's the saddest thing. No, and so you need to get, you need to find your groove. So wherever you are, I find like we need to find our little special places. And we have, but in Cape Town, you can literally... It's just, number one, it's value for money. Number two, you will find food that you just, you cannot believe how beautiful. Um, Then there's wine. The wine is spectacular. I guess it's being made right on your doorstep, so it can't get fresher than that. Absolutely. And it's also really big wines, big full-bodied Cabernets and Shirazas, really, really nice. I was going to say, are you a red or a white drinker? Oh, you know, both. (laughs) Because in summer, it's so hot in South Africa and summer is a much longer season than it is in Canada. People often tend to drink quite a lot of white wine. It's a great summer drink. Um, But then also there's this whole gin vibe going on with all the gin bars, uh, wineries, etc. are starting to make their own gin infused with the flora in the area, pomegranate gin. I mean... I mean, you should know in the UK, gin is like the thing as well. Oh God, yeah. It's a massive obsession right now. You get all different flavors. I know. I miss that in Canada. I go back to England and they wouldn't let me go through with the gin that I wanted because it was too much to declare in Canada, unfortunately, which was so sad because it was such a good deal, like duty free. And I was loving it. I was going to get all the gin, but it was going to be too much for my declaration. (laughs) Um, I often wonder, like, why do they sell it at duty free if you can't bring it over? Like, it doesn't make sense. They just tease you. They just tease you. (laughs) I think you need to have a swig and then pass it down the line to the people so you don't have to throw it in the bin yeah exactly (laughs) but you know what else is cool is they've got now the tonics that you have with the gin Mm -hmm. all different ones oh my word like elderflower tonic yes 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 yum so we get that in canada so i'm very excited about that but you're disappointed in the wine i am (laughs) i don't want to be dissed by the canadians but they've got to step up their game it's a very it's just a different product you just can't compare it at the lcbo here in canada we actually get quite a bit of South African wine. So that's really cool. So if you ever want to DM me, I'll give you some tips on getting some great bottles of wine. Oh, okay. What's one brand? Can you think of one off the top of your head? Oh, totally. There's a bottle going at the moment. I hate telling people in case there's none left when I get there, but go and have a look for it. I will tell you right now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. Preparing. Drum roll. Good, good, good. <laughs> it's called Almen Kerk. Okay. It's a Dutch word. It's a Syrah, so it's a 2000 and I'm just trying to think now. It's really, it's like almost five years old. It's 
absolutely magnificent. You will not believe it. I think it's $21 or whatever. You can find it. Then there's also Niederberg wines that we get in Canada. Also a very, very good brand and very well-known wine farm in South Africa. So start with those two. Oh, amazing. Okay, we can end the episode there, guys. We have the best wine. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put them in the show notes as well so you can check those out if you're wine drinkers. Um, So you mentioned food. What's your favorite meal that you would have in Cape Town? I think I really miss having good old fish and chips. Uh, I know you totally relate. I could relate. I could relate. Yeah, there's a certain standard of having that. So we would have, you can either have the fish and chips, which you get in the like newspaper kind of wrapped up or wrapped up in paper with chips and vinegar. So there's that style. But then also they have very much uh, a whole gourmet kind of fish and chips, which they serve in pans. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you'll have that with for instance, uh, you'll have calamari with that on the side, but it's just next level. And in South Africa, obviously, the, all the fishing is done there. The sushi is incredible. I was going to say, you're right by the ocean. so oof. Oh, my word. The lionfish, the sole. The, it's just wow. so, so good. So I think I really miss that. I'm guessing there's a lot of patios and everything out there is a huge part of the culture. Everyone Massive. just eats all this fresh produce. You've got your fresh wine on your doorstep and your fresh seafood and everyone just gets together. And am I making this up or is this true? No, it's totally true. <laughs> I have a picture in my head now. Oh, good. Yeah. It's And, and you know, it's that and then add some because mm. it's just people get there. Even from overseas, when people land in South Africa, they actually cannot believe it. And they cannot believe how cheap it is. So when you go there with your currency, you will be blown away. Um, I had... Uh, I was in South Africa in March with my daughters uh, just before COVID hit. And we went to a restaurant in Fishhook and there were eight people. And I decided like, guys, please don't worry. I'll pay for it because my currency is so much stronger than yours. Mm. Eight people. We had, uh, we had platters of sushi everywhere for everyone to have. We had, all of us had champagne. Then we had our mains, which was lionfish and beautiful vegetables of the day and really well presented. One or two people had desserts and the bill came and including the tip, it was 1,800 rand. So if you convert that into Canadian dollars, that's, let's just say it feels like $200, $180. for eight people with champagne and everything. And that level of food, Mm -hmm. you have, the the chefs are in there in the back doing their jolly best and the food is fresh. It's (laughs) really unbelievable that's nothing for eight people oh my gosh let's go no it's crazy and i think some people like uh, canadians go over there and they feel like they tip so well so the south (laughs) africans love it because they're like you're kidding me is this all it is for all of this yeah i feel guilty just take my money (laughs) yeah so it's it's really if you ever want to do a holiday and go to south africa do it go to a game farm go go on safari do it through three or four days then go to cape town hang out there at top hotels, you can afford it and eat really well, live like a king and queen. Yeah, it's definitely my next trip. No, you will not actually ever, ever be sorry. Okay, fantastic. Oh, do you you work? Are you getting paid by South Africa? I wish, (laughs) I wish. So in Cape Town and or in other cities, English is is a minority language, right? Or is there, there's loads of different languages? Yes, there are a lot of languages. So there are 12 official languages. Oh, amazing. And the majority of them are African languages. So they'll be from Xhosa to Pedi to Sutu to Zulu um, and many, many more. And then uh, the, obviously the, it's a global language is English. So it's a given. Everybody speaks English. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, Afrikaans is another language. It is the minority language, but it is spoken a lot and also in specific areas because of the the Dutch influence 
um, in South Africa. So it is a dialect of Dutch. Um, I still speak it. I don't speak it much here anymore. Mm -hmm. And I even do speak a little bit of Kosa, which is an African language, which I miss. And because I don't speak it much, yeah, you know, you start to lose it, but it's the most right. beautiful language. It's called the click language. And that was Mandela's language. Oh, great. I'd heard. So what's it called again? Do it again. Kosa. Wow. So you get the so that means like hey how can i help you or uh, amazing molo cc is hello so it's a beautiful beautiful language and um it's just amazing the fusion of people in south africa fantastic and you so you speak all those languages have you passed those on to your daughters at all or are they primarily english Primarily English. They got to Canada. They became Canadian. Yeah, and every now and then we'll text each <laughs> we'll text each other in Afrikaans. Uh, but they've lost it. They've lost it completely. But they can still sort of type and text in Afrikaans. So we do have a bit of it there. But by the time they're probably the next five or six years, it'll be totally gone. But they do understand it if I speak it. Mm -hmm. So of course, one of the one of the first things that people may think uh, when it comes to South Africa is racial tension. Yes. What experience, if any, do you have with that? You know, a lot of people listening, like myself, you know, we we're white and we've only ever lived in countries where you know the white race is is predominant. So in Johannesburg and where you know the white race is, is a minority, can you speak to that at all? Yes, I can. I think that um, I've been doing actually a lot of reading up about all of this, especially with BLM mm -hmm. that's at the forefront of our minds at the moment. And it's been, I've always felt in my country, I was, I could in 1994 when Mandela was released and we could have the first democratic vote, it was absolutely unbelievable. We could vote um, and we could vote for him and for his party, which was absolutely amazing. And so such an incredible time. But um, what I have learned is that regardless of how I feel about it, it doesn't change the way other people feel about it. So people who have been affected by racism um, are still really angry. And I understand that even though mm. I have no attachment to it, I don't understand it. I didn't grow up with it. Um, I went to what they called a Model C school, which meant that school these schools catered for any race. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great privilege for me. But all I know, and after reading up so much about what racism is, I've learned that in South Africa specifically, and I think it actually speaks to any country, is that for white people, racism is about color. And for African people, racism is about privilege. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad. And unfortunately, when people, African people look at white people, they see people who are privileged. And we are still benefiting from privilege today. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's sad and I'm sorry about it. And I think it still causes so much tension. Um, the other part of it is that there is a massive percentage of people in South Africa that are unemployed. Um, we're talking like 30 to 40% of unemployment. And what that does is it leads to a lot of anger. People are hungry, people need money. And if people are hungry, they steal. And when people mm. are hungry, other things happen, violence. And so it's very, very tough. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a vicious cycle. And it's it such is. a young history as well. You know, Nelson Mandela was elected, like you said, in 94, which, yeah. you know, that's just about in my lifetime you know for but sure. it's, it's such a it must be such a huge memory for you and your family you watch that unfold it, it must have been monumental absolutely and what an incredible man he was I mean mm. it's just unbelievable to have that as part of your life and everyone keeps looking back and saying gee why don't we have another Mandela and I think there are very few and far between those people that ever come across um, our lives um, but I think that South Africa is an incredible country 
with a lot of vibe. That's what I love about it. The people are amazing. Every race and every culture. When we come together, like when we had the first World Cup, uh, soccer World Cup was held in South Africa. It united the nation. It was unbelievable. And, you know, I remember those moments and it was just absolutely incredible. So I think that for people traveling to South Africa, you can travel safely there. You need to know and do all your research, speak to your travel agents. You need to know where you're going and what you're doing. And it's mm -hmm. like any country, you need to be aware of where you're at. Yes. Um, and in any country, there's violence. I know that it is a lot more escalated in South Africa. There are more incidents. Um, it also depends where you are in which areas, uh, like any other country. Uh, but it's a beautiful place and you can travel safely there. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for, for your insight on that. Pleasure. Um, so you and your husband and your two teenage daughters, you moved to Canada nearly four years ago now can't believe it's almost four years in January. Yes, it'll be four years. You are, it's so funny. You are on the exact same timeline as me. I moved to Canada in January 2017. Wow. <laughs> we probably saw each other at the airport. I know. Right? We're just like, hi, new lives. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. After a few years, I think, you know, we've finally gotten over those initial challenges as expats. And then we have that urge to help others who are going through it now. So I think it's like a yes. pretty common timeline because uh, it's funny. Absolutely. You're doing your YouTube videos, helping people adjust to life in Canada and imparting your wisdom. And I've set up this podcast trying to share stories and inspiration. So yeah, it's Great. definitely a, a common thread after the, about the four year mark. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that, I don't know about you, but I feel like actually at the three year mark, I felt this is home and I'm settled. I yes. always knew it was home. I, I, sold everything we sold lock stock and barrel to move here there's no intention to ever go back to south africa and we are super blown away we come with buckets of gratitude and just positive energy around making a life for ourselves and for our children here that's why we oh, came amazing. this that's incredible wonderful. adventure of finding new stuff and i think at the four-year mark it's even better it's like you've taken because you know you leave your country it takes years to build relationships yeah you're starting from absolute zero you know nobody exactly. you know no no connections you don't know anything about really the culture than what you see on tv shows which you know it's not accurate so yeah lots to learn and you're so thrown into the unknown and it's really jarring i found it quite challenging to to adjust to it very challenging and i think that it just as much as it takes you five to 10 years to build up relationships, it takes almost about the same amount of time to rebuild and make new connections. And it's about making memories. And then I decided as a family, we were like, well, we need to get away. I have now got a group of girls where I go to the cottage with them. Like every season, we go in the fall, we go in the winter, we go in the summer, we go to a cottage and we make memories. We do polar dips. We are absolutely nuts. Oh my God, you're actually Canadian. I, I still haven't oh, done that. Oh my God, that's terrifying. I'm telling you, I'll have to invite <laughs> you to the next one. It is so great. And so making those memories obviously solidifies relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what it's about. So by the time year four rolls on, you've got tangible relationships and people that you can count on, people that are going to bring you soup Aww. when you get a sore throat, and people that are your support system and people that you can confide in and I think when you have that you have everything mm -hmm. yeah and it takes time and you you have to give yourself some slack and it takes a lot of patience because you can just expect so many things straight out the gate and put so much pressure on yourself to make these connections but yeah it takes time and like you said it, it took me you know a 
years to to feel really settled and happy and and when it does come which it will it's such an amazing feeling so yeah that's so great you have your own traditions going now and yeah yeah, that's fantastic it is I think another thing to add to that point is that I remember you know and maybe it'll encourage other people that are already in Canada is that if you're here and it's only your first year or first year and a half I actually hit a major low Mm. and I didn't know I didn't expect it and so when I tell people this and they're in their year or year and a half. They're like, oh, yeah, we remember Andrea said that. And this is normal. Mm. It is completely normal. I the It was the middle of – it was uh, like January, February. And I was like, I'm so done with this winter. I can't actually take it anymore. By the time March rolled on, I felt quite depressed, I must say. And I'm not a – I'm an eternal optimist. I've never been depressed in my life. And I think that it's completely normal to acknowledge and own the fact that, hey, I'm missing my family. Mm -hmm. This winter is going on too long. (laughs) It's amazing how when you don't take vitamin D, big note to self, take vitamin D in winter. The winter is so long. Yeah, you don't realize how little sun you get onto your skin, which is so important. And I was really, really down. And it took me like, thank goodness I could recognize it and go, I need to get myself into shape or need to get out of this. But it took me about two to three months to really pick myself up off the floor and just say, okay, this is my home. This is where I'm at. But you know, as the sun started to shine and as spring started Mm -hmm. to come along, I started to feel a lot better. And it's amazing. Don't forget how the seasons can change and influence your moods. Yeah, 100%. They have a a name for it, seasonal depression. I never heard that term before. And then, you know, so many, even Canadians suffer with it. So yeah, that's a really good point to, if you're feeling down in the winter months, it might actually be down to to that. And it might, you know, pop some vitamin D and um, yeah, yeah, try and address that. And and You'll be surprised. You could, I actually had my daughter's blood tested and her vitamin D count was so low. And I was like, wow, she's an outdoor girl all the time, more than I am. And if hers is low, mine has got to be low. <laughs> so you moved here four years ago. Um, and before that, you'd never left South Africa before? No. Oh, my no. gosh. So you, did you have a passport? or uh, I did, only because I, you know, we love to travel and get away if we could. But I mean, I'd never set foot in North America in my life. My husband came over for business uh, twice. He actually didn't even come to Toronto. He was in Montreal. And... Uh, I think for us, we were so confident about the adventure and finding a new life that we just kind of crossed our fingers and came. And we were, we are just so thrilled. We absolutely so thrilled about it. What a leap of faith. Amazing. So you came to Canada because your husband was transferred. So he's in the IT industry and he got a job opportunity and he grabbed it and brought you all along for the ride. So that's so cool. What were your first thoughts when you, when you landed? So you landed at Toronto Pearson, I'm assuming, and you looked around and did you, you had a house kind of set up for you guys. And what, what were your initial impressions? You know, what was amazing is um, we, my, Kevin, my husband was here already because he had to be at a conference. So he was ready and waiting for us. And that was actually so nice to see a familiar face waiting for his girls. Um, and he picked us up and we came home and he had done like a quick little shop. And I mean, you know, the first thing is, you know, when you, you drive on these insane highways, you're like, oh my gosh, all these cars, where are these people going to? <laughs> it's a Wednesday. It's 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. What are all these people doing? Doing, exactly. And I think that <laughs> that's also one very interesting thing. Like in South Africa, of course, there are highways and byways and that. And especially coming from Cape Town, there's kind of one highway, the N1, which can expand to maybe six lanes, maybe five, maybe it's five, I think. Uh, but that's the one in and out of downtown. 
And here you've got this whole spaghetti junction of cars and lights and super exciting. Mm -hmm. And then I remember getting to the little apartment that we had and I was like, oh my gosh, it is so cold. It is (laughs) so cold. How old are your daughters at this point? Um, I think uh, Georgia was 16. And Maddie was 12. Oh my gosh, 16. That's such a tough age to, to leave everything tough. behind. Whoa. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Oh my goodness. It was <laughs> tough. But the girls are also very positive. Oh good. I was going to say, did she put you through the ringer? Or no, she... they were actually both fantastic. I think they, we had buy-in from the girls. They understood that it was a great adventure. Like to move into a first world country, to have incredible opportunity. That's what we were selling to them. That's why mm-hmm. we came. It's like... It's so incredible. Georgia's 19 or turning 19 in February. She's at Brock University first year and checkbox. That's why we came. It makes me almost want to cry. Just this. She is loving university. Yes, it's online, but they're making the most of it. And I think those are the reasons why we came. Whereas Mm -hmm. there's a lot less, there is opportunity in South Africa. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot less opportunity so um you don't because there's this opportunity you have less chance of really doing what you really really want to do whereas right. georgia the field is completely open to say what do you want to do the world is your oyster you pick it and you do it oh, amazing the sky's the limit would you say that's your biggest win then to see your kids really you know fly and to to see them grab these opportunities and and see it all pan out i mean you've done a great job mama and they're they're living life and happy 100 100 it's unbelievable Mm. so what did you have to do with regards to parenting you know did you have those moments with your kids where they were struggling and they wanted to go home at all or was it just all butterflies and sunshine (laughs) um i don't they never actually wanted to go home I think they always spoke about, oh, if we do go, then we're going to go to this restaurant and we're going to buy this food and we're going to go to Woolworths and then we're going to eat this and then we're going to do that. But it was never really about going back. I think their eyes were massively opened when they got here. I would say a year afterwards, even my eldest daughter said to me, mom, I can't ever see myself going back. Wow. And you know, for me, especially as a parent, it's so encouraging because, you know, you're the one that decided to pull them out of school. You're the one that's cut off these relationships because as a teenager, it's all about friends, right? It's got not, life is not about parents. It's about friends. And I get that. But I must say these girls got into it very quickly. They got into sport. They got into school. Funny enough, uh, my eldest daughter struggled quite a bit at the first school we went to. She's uh, an eternal optimist, gregarious, outgoing. She's a lot like me. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny, I expected her to be the one that would do really well and she would succeed and she's the one who struggled the most and I must say I find that I think even for myself I never recognized that I would struggle I'd be like oh I might go I'll make friends I'll just do this and I'll do that boy was it difficult Mm -hmm. yeah you underestimate the the shock that it can have to the system even if you're an extrovert and you're positive yeah taking on the challenge and you're excited about it it, you're still going to have those challenges everyone does exactly and I think that's a massive part of of it because you don't you don't think that other people are feeling the way you're feeling it's so isolating you're thinking oh this is such a fail I'm so unhappy here and I think the the loneliness of being homesick or you know uh, struggling to adjust it's it's you think that no one else is feeling it but it literally is everybody that yeah. anyone that moves abroad they're going to feel the same things so totally and I think that so if we can talk about you and I being out there and whatever 
can you imagine people that are just like five points on the lower level than what I am? Like I'm high <laughs> energy all the time. I'm like, these guys, it's a struggle. And my advice to people like that is you guys need to really live, step up and you have to, mm. unfortunately, you have to put yourself out there and it's so hard. It is. So like I always tell people, like if you have children, go and meet the parents find ways to connect with people stand outside the school gates <laughs> yeah oh, somebody be my friend yes and there's certain ways join facebook groups join the expat expo go to the expo meet people connect with people on facebook there are so many forums out there so i also say that you need to be doing your homework before you come to canada you can start connecting with people so that you've got coffee dates literally set up for yourself. Yes. Social media is the way to do it. People are nervous of social media. So if you much, if like the older generation don't want to connect with people on Facebook or on, especially on Instagram, it's not very cool to just <laughs> DM someone, but, but it's, but it's tougher for older people. I think for younger people, it's easier. You can connect with people, but if you've got planned and set up things when you land, it's going to help you tremendously. Oh, absolutely. I see those messages all the time as well. I, you know, I'm on these Facebook groups, you know, expats in Toronto, British yes. people, or Brits in Toronto, all of these groups on Facebook, they're fantastic. Um, and I do see those messages, you know, from the older generations, you know, I've seen one just this morning, there was a woman there saying, hey, I'm actually, you know, 58. And I really want to meet new people. So the people are out there and they are doing it. So you're not going to be weird. Just do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Totally. You can pick a busy place so that it's safe in the middle of the day. Um, yeah, definitely recommend. I totally Absolutely. Agree. And I think that um, when we first got to Canada, I was like, oh, I want to be Canadian. I don't want to mix with South African people. I want to be my own person. This is why I'm going to this country. And very soon I realized that when I heard a South African accent, my heart broke. It was the coolest thing ever. And I think what that tells me is that don't be fearful of meeting people that are part of your culture because if it makes you feel at home and adjust better, do it. Mm. You don't have to do one or the other either. I mean, yeah. I definitely had that urge. I was I was really craving to have English friends. I, it's really hard to, mm. to understand why. I think it's just a cultural thing. It is. And just to have that familiarity of the accent even. I just yes. wanted to banter with someone from England and, and feel at home. So I did it. And yeah, it definitely made me feel so much better, especially during those, those lower times. Exactly. Um, and then now I don't need it as much. You can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think you can. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's a time when you're a lot more needy and it's that transition where you need your South African or your UK or your whoever friends. You need those people just that you can relate to because everyone's in the same boat. Yes, the story's exactly the same, guys. So yeah, I totally think you hit the nail on the head. Well done. Yeah, there's so many places to go to meet people now as well. You can only imagine how difficult it was, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when people were coming to Canada and they had no internet and, yeah. oh my God, I just can't even imagine. So yeah, there's so many platforms out there, you know, settlement agencies and clubs and, you know, meetup.com and like you said, the Facebook yeah. groups. So there's no excuse. <laughs> no, there isn't. You're so right. Yeah. Fantastic. So let's move on and chat about your expertise. So you know a lot about preparing for Canada, packing all of your belongings and shipping them across the world. So from South Africa to Canada, you had a 40 foot container. Um, and I've seen your YouTube video where you run through all of your best shipping tips, packing tips, all of the things. So I'd love for you to dive into that. Um, for anybody that's preparing to come to Canada and they're looking at their house and they're thinking, oh my gosh, like I own so much stuff. There's, you know, five rooms of junk how am I even going to start how am I going to begin what's the process you know we got very lucky because my husband was transferred we got the option of using a container right 
And if you don't have that option, I give a lot of people advice and tell them if you can, if you have the luxury, pack a container, shove all your stuff in there, as much of it as you can, especially furniture. Um, It is an expensive exercise, especially if you're coming from South Africa or if you're coming from a country where the currency, um, the exchange rate is so different to the dollar. So if South Africans move over, it's literally 10 to 1. It's crazy. Your money, you literally divide it by 10 when you come to Canada and you feel like you're starting from scratch at the age of 40. How are we ever going to make do? How are we ever going to retire? You've got all of these concerns and these are the questions that keep you awake at night. And so in terms of packing, my advice is get the container. There are options where you can actually send cubes over so you don't necessarily have to have a 40 foot container you can share containers with another South African sometimes people do that Um, you can send smaller loads smaller boxes so speak to um, your different shipping agents we used a company uh, that was obviously the one that my husband's company had so I don't even know if it's relatively inexpensive or not but what I do remember about the experience is that it's 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 super professional Mm -hmm. and you never pack one thing yourself. I was quite alarmed by that. I was like, I am packing my own underwear. Thank you very much. <laughs> so these guys came in. Uh, we obviously, we got a coat. Uh, they come around, check out the room, see kind of, they're so good at this at this point. They're like, oh, a three-bedroom house, it's going to be this. A five-bedroom house, it's going to be this. They kind of <laughs> can, you know, suss that out. They come in and it took about two days and they used our dining room table, spread out all the paper and they start packing room by room. They've got people in every room packing stuff. And um, even my husband's a surfer. We left the surfboards at, in South Africa, gave it to friends. But his stand-up paddleboard we bought with, they even wrapped that thing up. Like, mm-hmm. they will. if you stand still long enough, you might get wrapped up. Like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. So I guess you have to declutter before that stage, right? It's because they just wrap everything they see. So, so number one, yeah. Kate, 100% thank you. So number one is declutter. Like you actually, I went through the house and thought, am I actually going to take all the stuff over to another country and have it as a problem in another country? Like I don't need this. I need to get lean and mean as fast as possible because if you're packing a container, it costs a lot of money to send a container over. Do not pack it with rubbish. Mm -hmm. You pack the container with the essentials. So decluttering is number one. If you haven't worn something for six months, toss it, give it to somebody, (laughs) donate it. It's so simple in theory, but then, yeah, I can see how challenging that would be. You just have to be so strict with yourself. You do. The six month rule is, that's a really good tip. Yeah. So get rid of stuff. Um, Clothing in Canada is relatively inexpensive. It's not as expensive as South Africa. So clothing and stuff you can buy. But the things that are irreplaceable is like solid wooden, wooden furniture, um, couches, sofas, tables, chairs, bar stools, um, things like that. They are such good quality in South Africa. And if you have heavy wood stuff, bring it over to replace that mm. would be expensive for you. It's not that expensive in Canada, but because of the exchange rate, right. it's going to feel like you're spending thousands and thousands on furniture. So that's what I'm trying to say. If you want to sell up lock, stock and barrel and start afresh in Canada, you're more than welcome to do that. But just remember to find the same quality of stuff um, is going to cost you an arm and a leg. Mm. So decluttering is, yes, absolutely number one. Number two is you might need to get rid of a lot of your appliances. So 
The voltage system is different. In South Africa, it's 220 volts. In Canada, it's 110. I got rid of all my Ken- cake mixes, uh, your Nutri-Bullets, all that stuff. If it's not 110, don't bring it along. And the other thing is, the reason why you don't want to bring washing machines, fridges, microwaves, is because when you buy a house or you rent a home in Canada, Every single house will have all of those appliances. They will have a microwave, a fridge, usually a double door fridge. It's mm, like soda vine. That's so true. So there's no point in filling your container with these massive big items when you're not going to use them. You're going to put them into storage, plus you're eventually going to sell them. You, you'll never use them, trust me. So the container, put your beds, put your kids' toys, bring as much stuff as you can over. So those are my tips for, for packing I think there was one very important thing, and I think it's because, you know, I always want to talk about the kids because not a lot of people talk about children, and it's so important. With little children, you get so wound up in packing that you pack all your kids' toys and everything, the soft toys, all their clothes. You're like eventually on the bare minimum, and what happens is when you move to Canada, you're sitting high and dry for a whole month to two months while you wait for your container. Sometimes there's a delay. Oh, no. And the kids have got none of their stuff that is familiar to them. Oh, right. You wouldn't even think of that. You're right. You just get swept up in the to-dos. Yes. So remember to keep stuff set it aside and make sure that you take stuff in your suitcases on the airplane and fly with it. Kids stuff, their blankies, their pillows, the actual pillow plus the cover, trust me, it will make a huge difference. In terms of transition for small children, they sometimes, even when kids can't speak, they don't have vocabulary, they lash out. They don't know They don't know why they're feeling like they are when they land in Canada. It's stressful as adults, as it is, you know, to feel a loss, like we're mourning something and we've got to say goodbye to our jobs and our things and our family. So for little children, it's really stressful for them. Pack all this stuff with you. Please, guys, don't forget in their suitcases when you fly. Uh, remember to always remember your kids to have conversations with them, sit them down, show them videos, help them to transition so that by the time it comes, they are fully prepared. They know what's happening um, and they can hopefully try and accept what happens, whatever, on the other side. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And then that moment when that shipping container arrives and they get all of their stuff back as well. It's like you are in your new country. This is your new adventure. And now here's all of your stuff. It's familiar. Um, I can definitely see why that would be beneficial than, than starting from scratch, especially if you have a family. Um, And let me tell you, it's like Christmas. You forgot about (laughs) all your cool stuff. Uh, However, on the other side, if you don't have kids and you guys are these bourgeoisie couple moving over, (laughs) sell your damn stuff, move over, move into a two bedroom, a one bedroom apartment, live the life of downtown and the vibe, get some slick, change your life. I'm like, I'm going contemporary. And that's what I did. I had a couple of suitcases because yeah, it's it's expensive to pay for your check-in luggage, but it's nowhere near as expensive as what a container would be. So I didn't really bring anything. I had I checked in two large suitcases and then I had my carry-on um, and that's all I did. I crammed it with my clothes because, yeah, I don't know, I was only young in my 20s and I need my clothes. Yeah. <laughs> all my British brands. Um, and then, yeah, my packets of custard and stuffing mix and all of the food I knew I was going to miss. Um, but that's literally all I bought. And like you said, it was a great point that if you're going to rent, then all of your furniture and everything is going to be included most most likely or you can choose an apartment that has the furniture included yeah. um so yeah there's just two really 
very drastically different options but I guess it's just the research isn't it to to compare like what you were saying the price of your your things um versus how much it would be to rebuy those things yes. at the same quality um comparing prices of the shipping and whether you're just going to do check-in luggage so yeah it's just a lot of number crunching unfortunately it is so when the stuff arrives you have a massive job on hand i'm guessing you have a whole massive container filled with boxes and things um how long did it take for you to unpack everything not going to lie super amazing we do it in like two days done oh. like literally i am a traffic controller i'm just like that goes there that goes there i've learned mm-hmm. how to do it um so i think one of the biggest tips is when you're labeling your boxes you label them obviously by bedroom so it'll be like kate's room what is inside and maybe detail what's inside because there you might get 10 boxes to your room and you're like where's my right. underwear which one are picture frames which one is photo albums so you know which ones to open and then what i do is i take post it notes and i write on there madison's room and i stick it on her door in your house so that it corresponds with the box so the mover comes oh, in that's genius <laughs> i'm telling you right the 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 mover comes in he's like uh, Madison's room. He knows now. He walks upstairs. He looks. Oh, not her room. Oh, here's Madison's room. Plunks the box. I'm telling you, it saves so much time. I've got stuff going on. My dogs are running around. It's crazy. Stick post-it notes. Help the people when they arrive. So that's my tip. Oh, that's really great. Because then, yeah, you have all the boxes ready to go in the respective rooms. Yep. That's genius. Amazing. So you mentioned your dogs. I'm glad you did because I was about to forget. You actually transported your dogs with you too. So I would love to know the process of that and how they coped with that. Oh my word, shame. It's, it's actually quite a thing. And that's another thing. When you start packing your house in your country before you move, the dogs start to know that something's going on, <gasps> right? And they of start course. to get stressed. And so, yeah, we made a decision two weeks before we moved, oh, about a week before we moved, to actually put the dogs with global paws. We use them to move the pets over. They're quite a few. You can Google. And uh, we booked them in a week before we moved into the kennels so that they wouldn't get stressed because they're people walking in and out, foreign people. They don't know. They're sniffing everybody. What's going on? All their stuff's been packed up. And there's a lot of emotion that's that's going on. While you're packing up stuff, you're realizing for the first time for some people like, oh, um, we're actually moving countries. Mm. And what's going on in your mind and what's happening over the next week is you have your friends are having parties for you to say goodbye. And it's these big crying, very emotional sessions. And the last thing you need is to worry about your dogs. So it's already very difficult for yourself. So my suggestion is get your pets away from you a week before you start packing boxes because they're super clever. Then when they Global Pets moves them over, they do all the necessary paperwork from inoculations to whatever the requirements are for your dog to land in Canada. They sort that out for you. You can get calming collars for your dogs. Um, all that stuff. They f- if you want, they even KLM. You can actually put your dogs on the same flight as yourself and they can fly with you in the carriage, in the cargo section. And you can pick up your dog that same day if you really want to. Mm. We didn't do that because we didn't have our forever home. And so we didn't want the stress of the dogs being in five or six different places. So we kept them in the kennels in Canada until we were ready to receive them. The day arrives 
when we are going to see our dogs. Oh my God, I can only imagine. It's like the Christmas all over again. I'm like beside myself. Oh yeah. So when they arrive, they like hear our voices and they go absolutely bananas. Oh, like how long circles. had it been since they saw you? It was probably a month and a half. And for me, it felt like a lifetime, I think for all of us. And I think it was the best thing we could ever do. And I tell people often when I talk on my YouTube channel and I talk about moving your pets to Canada is... You know, it's yes, the dog wants to be walked, but actually the dogs need to walk the humans. (laughs) Humans need to be walked. That is what gets you outside in the snow. It forces you to see how beautiful Canada is, whether Mm -hmm. it rains, whether it snows, whether the sun is out, your dogs force you to walk. You as a human need to get out there. And they, of course, love to walk. Yeah, I was going to say, how do they, how did they cope with the snow? Like, traipsing around through that for the first time oh my gosh it's hilarious they're like lifting one paw at a time and um, you try what is this stuff you, exactly you try putting booties on they don't really like it it's awkward they battle to walk it's hilarious please do yourself a favor don't forget to video your dog the first time you put <laughs> snow boots on them it is hilarious you'll watch it for years but eventually they do acclimatize and they get used to it people have asked me on my youtube channel how do they do their business i'm like they've got to go It's just a lot Mm -hmm. more steamy. They like drop it in the (laughs) snow and it freezes within seconds and they come inside. How convenient. Yeah. So (laughs) they do, they adjust, they dogs, they're animals, they're amazing. And I think it was amazing for us to transition was to bring our dogs over. It's not a cheap exercise. You're going to be spending Mm. a couple of thousand rand. I don't know what the dollar price is, but um, it is totally worth it. They forced us to go out. They forced us to discover trails and paths and it's been amazing. And to have a piece of home with you too. And it's a member of your family at the end of the day. And I think it would put a lot of people off, you know, oh, I want to move to Canada, but my dog, and it shouldn't be an excuse, you know, you're living proof that you can do it. You can bring them with you. And um, Totally, totally. It is amazing. It's the best experience ever. So my suggestion is do it. Um, and they do adjust. I promise they, they do adjust. They do become house dogs though. So in South Africa, people have their dogs outside a lot. Right. They might sleep inside, but when you go out, you leave your dogs outside. So because of the weather, you can. Mm. But when you come to Canada, your dogs need to learn that they're going to be inside. They can't believe how lucky they are. Suddenly they're on the couch, like what? With like a roaring fireplace. Yes. They're just like, wow, I'm going to stretch out here. A cardigan, darling. They've got their jersey on. I mean, life is amazing, right? <laughs> so going to your present today, you are a yoga instructor. Tell me about that. Oh, my word. I was very lucky because I didn't have to work in the first year. And I just thought, you know what? What if? what if I could change my life around and do something completely different? This is an opportunity for me, almost like a second chance at life. And a friend of mine, I was like, how am I going to exercise? I used to run quite a bit, go to the gym a lot in South Africa, love being fit. And I thought, how do people do this in the snow? I can't run in the snow. Never mind if you could run. It's so cold. Like Mm -hmm. I don't feel really amped to go and run in the snow. And I started streaming uh, YouTube online. Uh, uh, yoga with Adrian or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I've never done yoga in my life. And then I met a woman and she, we became good friends. And Mandy said to me, why don't you join me at my yoga studio where I do yoga? It's donation yoga. It's only $5 in Mississauga. I was like, I'm in. Sounds like a deal. Let's go. And from the day I started, I started going like two to three times a week. I absolutely loved it. It changed so much stuff for me. And 
I've never been in better shape, never been fitter. I used to have, well, I still have a slight scoliosis in my back. There's certain things. I never see a physiotherapist anymore. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy. And then one of the yoga teachers said to me, you know what? You would be a great yoga teacher. Have you thought about teaching? I was like, are you crazy? No. (laughs) And then I went home and I was like, wow, if that's what she said, maybe it's something I should consider. And I thought, you know what? I'll never teach, but I'll do it because it's something to do, right? It's a course. It's some kind of qualification. And even if it's just to refine my own practice, let me do it. I signed up. It's a seven month course and I qualified. And the day I qualified was on a Sunday. The Monday I was teaching my first class and I taught three times a week and then COVID hit. And I thought, great, I've got to do this online. And I would never have done online yoga unless COVID hit. Mm. I took it online and you know what it meant? My business suddenly became global. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just in Oakville or in Mississauga or on Coe Street. It was like I had people from Scotland. I had South Africans doing my yoga. I had people from the UK doing my yoga. As long as the time zone worked, I had people doing my class and paying for my, I, I opened up a shop on my blog on my website and people could buy my classes. And I'm like, this is insane. Like I can teach yoga <laughs> to all these different people. It is awesome. And I think also it gave me so much purpose and fulfillment. I finally found my groove and I absolutely love what I do. Love it. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's such a great thing for people back home to be able to connect with you in that way as well. If they're missing you, they can just like log in and watch you and do your yoga with you. That's amazing. Totally. And we have some really good laughs and a lot of the people that follow me on my YouTube channel are like regulars that do my yoga class and it's so great. And now they're like, we are coming. We finally got our papers and our invitation letter. And so what's going to happen is they're going to come over, we're going to meet for coffee, or we're going to do yoga and practice together. And it's going to be, I'm probably going to cry. It's just amazing. And they feel the same way. So it's just, ah, it's such a great story. And I just, it makes me feel so great. Like, it's wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for your time today. I've had so much fun chatting with you. I think we covered so many topics. (laughs) We did. And I am just like, yay, one more friend, Kate. So we're going to do coffee and virtual meetings. Oh, 100%. And I'll turn up to your yoga too. I have to check it out. Yay. Awesome. Can't wait. So where should listeners head to find you online and all that you do? Okay, so my YouTube channel for YouTube advice and just stuff on immigration, even like random stuff, just Google a South African girl living in Canada, you'll find me. Mm-hmm. And my blog, which is my website, is called justmyscene.com. And on there, you'll find my yoga tab. If you want to buy classes, you'll find out all about my stuff, especially on special needs children. Mm-hmm. Is I talk about schooling in Canada. How does it work? And a lot of people ask me that question. So go head over to justmyscene.com. You can find all that stuff there. And that's me. Oh, fantastic. We'll have to get you back to talk about schooling in Canada. That seems like we'll have to get you back for that one. Okay, anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been great to spend time with you. Thank you. you. Have a great day. You too, hun. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.